0: This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to (laughs) do? Oh, come on. I'm with you. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree (laughs) on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio, with thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender, here's Todd Bergaff. Hey, thanks for joining us for the podcast uh, once again today. Joining us uh, via the telephone, as he does on these Fridays, is uh, Jeff Ash. And, uh, well, Lefty, we have two Vikings games to talk about uh, in the last week since we last visited last Sunday, a loss to Tampa. That's the one to me that really stung because the Eagles are really good and certainly more physical up front than are the Vikings uh, and beat them last night. But you know what? The Vikes had a chance against the Eagles if they don't keep giving the ball away.
1: Yeah, I don't know what the problem is this year with that. That's, that is a very bad trait to have, turnovers yeah. like that. Especially from a veteran, you know, the people that are handling the ball are fairly veterans, yeah. or, are pretty much veterans. So Kirk's been a hot mess with, you know, the mistakes that he's made. I realize his completion percentage, that's always going to be good because of out of the passes that he throws. But the turnovers have been just bad, and obviously J.J.'s was really bad luck. I, I don't really like that rule. Yeah, you know, I do either. Think about, like, what a huge advantage for the defense that had really nothing to do with that play. But. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, if we're not going to protect the ball, it's kind of hard to win in a league that's this competitive and the Eagles were so banged up. It was a great opportunity. I thought maybe actually we were going to sneak, sneak one out there just because they had won. They're banged up. We, uh, didn't look real good against Tampa and you know, it gets real tough for us. So I just don't like the fact that we get on national television is always the same crap. Yeah. It's just always the same. It feels like just, we look like. We look like we don't know
0: what we're doing sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. Yep, yeah, way too much fumbling of the football, that's for sure. And and you reference Cousins, and he has three of the lost fumbles. One of them is lineman, knocked it out of his hands. I'm not going to necessarily blame him for that one uh, against Tampa. And the one yesterday, I mean, only Udo got just discarded by the defensive end on his way yeah. uh, to hit Cousins. But the ball security issues with Cousins, and this might be nitpicking a little bit, but – he always holds the ball in one hand in the pocket or not always. I thought he had gotten yeah. better at it last year. But last night again, ball out in one hand in traffic, yep. so then he gets stripped of the ball. Uh and you know, he needs to clean that up. I thought he had, but then we see it again last night where he's waving the ball around in one hand while he's in the pocket.
1: Yeah, and I I doubt he's got very big hands just yeah. from his stature, but um that's one thing when you're saying that I think about Brady and I think I used to always think that too when he got smoked. He rarely fumbled it. You yep. know, he always held on to that ball, but he always had two hands on it. So, yep. Yep. I don't know, you know, I mean, what? a lot of years that he's been playing quarterback. But yeah.
0: Watch Joe Burrow sometimes. There's a young quarterback that you can watch yep. who has perfect ball security while in yep. the pocket. When he's sliding around in the pocket, because he's not a runner either, Kirk Cousins could look at what Joe Burrow does. He slides, he steps up, but he always has two hands on the football and uh you know that's just well coached and well schooled and a guy who pays attention to it and i'm not trying to be overly critical of cousins i don't think it's warranted after last night's game i mean he passed for 360 yards four touchdowns yep. without an interception um but the fumbling is an issue and the quarterback is the leader of the team and since he lost one of the fumbles you know he does bear some responsibility uh for that
1: yeah i totally agree there i I have uh, Alexander Madison on one of my fantasy teams and I said to Carter last night, I said he just looks like kind of a slower Delvin cook when I watch him play now. Yeah. You know, and I mean he he's got such a resemblance to Delvin that it's hard not to think that it's him back there, but he just haven't really seen him get loose for much, you know, I mean, just kinda of bangs his head against stuff a lot it seems like. So the yeah. running game hasn't been anything to help either, um, take any pressure off the passing game but I am happy about our defense. I mean, yeah. I I was driving on Sunday home from the airport, so I didn't see the defense and I was curious, you know. We were to me we were always so I don't know, not not aggressive is what it always seemed like, you know, and I think you and I have talked about that that I said, you know, I think a lot of defense in the NFL everybody's got the same skill players. Of course, there's better ones here and there, but those guys all have skill and speed and, you know, the mentality to be on defense at that level. So I have definitely seen an improvement there. I mean, those guys fly around to the ball, and they put pressure on Hurts, and I thought they did, they did a good job. We had a hard time stopping Swift. Um, but other than that, I was, you know, but we put a lot of pressure on our D. They were on the field all the time because of our turnovers. So yeah. I am happy with how they look right now.
0: Except they can't stop the run. You know, they coughed, They gave up 260 yards on the ground last night. Every time Hertz dropped back to pass, I was thankful because we couldn't right. stop him on the ground at all. If they never threw a pass in last night's game, the Eagles still win.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I picked up Swift and uh, put him in my lineup about five minutes before the game, so I was pretty happy. It's kind of one of those that, okay, we're going to lose, at least have my guy. I mean, he could have had three touchdowns. He ran it down to the freaking half-yard line, you know, and, yep. and then uh, – Hertz runs it in each time, time, so I was happy that he got one at the end. But that's always going to be a thing on that team when you have their running back, not to turn it to fantasy, but he's going to run it in. I mean, that formation they run, I don't know how you ever stop that. No,
0: I don't like it. I wish they would outlaw that. They changed the rule. Back in, uh, it, it, the rule used to be you cannot aid a runner in any way. Uh, pushing them, pulling them, can't aid the runner in any way. But then they would have these pileups, and and sometimes the running back would get thrown backwards, and they didn't think that was quite fair, that the defense could pile up, but the offense couldn't. So they changed uh-huh. the rule back in, I think it was 2006 already, so it's been quite a while. or No, 2016, I'm sorry. Uh, and uh, Philadelphia figured it out. Really? We can aid the runner now well, great, let's line up some big guys behind Jalen Hurts with that massive right. offensive line they already have and just use physics and just push forward. There's no way you can stop it. I, I don't like that. I don't think they should be allowed to do it. I hope they change that rule.
1: Yeah, just it almost seemed like it was not even part of the game when they went to that. You're like, okay, this is... It's rugby. Uh, yeah, it just didn't seem like football at that point. But yeah. Yep. You'd think anytime they'd have a fourth and one or anything that you could just do that. I mean, I don't know they how they would stop it. So, That's yeah. what the
0: Eagles do, and they don't get stopped. I think they were 15 for 15 last year on fourth and one, so uh, yeah. you can't stop them. And then the other rule, which has been in effect for a long time, is the one like you referenced early on where Jefferson fumbles, the ball goes over the pylon and out of bounds. Well, the defense didn't recover it. It's the only place on the field where the defense gets possession of the ball without even touching the football. Uh, And then out to the 20-yard line besides. It's not like they get it at the spot of the fumble. So on fourth down, if a guy fumbles the ball, uh, so it had been better, like like Kevin O'Connell said after the game, we try and impress upon our guys not to reach the ball toward the goal line except on fourth down, I'm sure because of this particular play. So had it been fourth down – and gone out, it would have been spotted where he fumbled it, which was at the one-yard line. But since it was first down, they get it out at the 20. It, it doesn't make any sense to me.
1: No, oh, I know. It's, when you think about that, I mean, he could be running in from the 10-yard line with nobody within 30 yards, and if the ball flips off his hands yeah. and goes out of the end zone, it's their ball for doing literally, besides getting burnt on the play, they get the ball. You know, it yep. doesn't really make any sense. And you don't see it a ton, but when it comes up, it's always this controversy. So I don't know i don't I don't know if I listened to the announcers, you know if they really broke it down very much or if herb Street had much to say about it at that time, but it's it's a bad rule, and of course, we'd be excited if we were on the other side of it, but you still can't argue the fact it's like how do you get that much of a
0: yeah that you know, much of it, a turnaround you... twenty yeah. yards on top of possession of the ball it just it's a it's an extremely punitive uh official's action against the offensive team i think and and they're always trying to promote offense in the league. Uh, and that was such a turning point then because the Eagles decided to go down and kick a field goal, a 61-yarder they hit then uh, right. to to finish that off. So that was really, you could say, a 10-point turnaround right at the end of the first half. And, and I thought that kind of lingered what happened there into the second half and affected the Vikings a little bit in the second
1: half as well. Yeah, and you you think about how much emphasis there is to these offensive players about getting the ball into the end zone. I mean, yeah. that is all... That is 110% what their focus is. How do I get this ball over the goal line into the end zone? But then you flip it on the deep, you know, when you're in the end zone on offense, it's like, how do we get out of here? We have to get this out of here. And for the defense, it's to keep, you know, to have the ability to keep them in the end zone and get a safety, you get a whole two points for that play. And both teams are fighting against each other for that. You know, the offense is trying like heck to get it out of the end zone. The defense is trying to keep you in the end zone on this play. The defense isn't even in the picture. Yes, yeah. they were hanging on his legs, but they had—it's not like they knocked it out of his hands or anything right. like that. You know, I—I I don't know. I—it really is one that probably needs to be revisited. But you'd think this isn't like something new either. So it's, yeah. it's kind of a head scratcher. Yeah.
0: The biggest concern for me coming out of the game last night is both lines for the Vikings, not just the offensive line, which we thought was weak going into the season, and that was certainly proven to be the case. They can't run the ball at all, 28 yards rushing in uh, yeah. last night's game. Now, they didn't try it a lot, but the reason they didn't try it is because they weren't going anywhere with it. They finally got a few yards once they turned to a little bit of a perimeter run game, some toss-sweep action. I, I, Why would you ever try and run up the middle with the Vikings' middle three offensive linemen, against those Philadelphia defensive tackles who are big and quick. Uh, multiple first-round Georgia draft picks at defensive tackle for the Eagles. Why would you ever even think you could run anywhere near those guys? And they didn't when they did try it because they just – I saw Schlotman just get thrown aside by this Jalen Carter, who's a rookie uh, from Georgia, first-round draft pick, and then he hit Madison almost as soon as he had the football. So the lines of scrimmage – and then the defense couldn't stop the run uh, right down the field. I think the lines are – there. that's a problem for the Vikings right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, our offensive line isn't that great if we have every one of our starters. And then when you see them all either inactive or standing on the sidelines, or then the next guys are hurt and they're standing over there, I'm like, uh, if we had any kind of potential sitting in this team, they would be in the lineup already. So this can't be good. Yeah, These are either retreads, you know, that are on their last couple years. Um, That maybe didn't even start for other teams that we have. I mean, this is not going to be good, especially against that line, like you said. So, uh, I mean, Kirk is somebody that needs to be protected. He's not protected. You know, all we ever hear every minute is how many times he gets hit. Half of that is because he can't avoid a hit. But the other half of it is the fact that he's always running for his life, too. Yeah.
0: And he's a bit of a ball massager. What's that? He's a bit of a ball massager. He holds it a little long in the pocket sometimes because, I'm sure, he's trying to get the downfield routes to develop. But it seems yeah. like he holds on to it a little long. I think there was a stat uh, that I saw uh, about the last couple of years that, that he is a, a guy who holds the ball in the pocket longer than most in the NFL. I, I wish I could quote it more specifically. I can't. But there is statistical yeah evidence, too, that Cousins holds the ball longer in the pocket than the vast majority of quarterbacks. Now, that's partially the offense he's trying to get Jefferson open down the field, but it's also, he turns down early openings sometimes.
1: Yep, I totally agree with that, and I think even on the interception, I'm not saying he had a lot of time, but he did have his foot planted, you know, so I'm just saying if you were going to get it out, you know, one, two, three, get it out, he did have time to do that. It wasn't a lot of time, but it was a double-pump kind of a play, too, again, where, you know, if he got it out, he would have avoided that hit. But, yeah, yeah. he doesn't – he should know he doesn't have a lot of time. I mean, there was – even on one of the completions he had, I was like, Kirk, are you going to throw this? Because that guy is coming right yeah. behind you, and he is going to smoke you. So, it, you know, you think of all the hits he has, he's got a lot of them that are barely out of it. – well, it counts, I'm sure, even if it's out of his hand. but Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He I don't takes know. some we shots. Never, yep we never seem to address that issue the offensive line it just never gets better yeah well
0: uh, they'll keep they'll keep slugging away they don't play it till a week from Sunday now but it face another good quarterback uh, in uh, Justin Herbert and and the Los Angeles Chargers uh, yep. back at US Bank uh, some good news the twins are headed for the playoffs they haven't clinched officially yet. Uh, but uh, certainly appears as though uh, that the Twins are headed for the postseason, and then uh, more good news that uh, we saw Kenta Maeda look pretty good for them uh, in in last night's game against Chicago. You know they're going to need a fourth starter when the playoffs begin. Uh, that the games are scheduled close enough together, and I don't think the Twins have anybody they want to run out there on three days rest anyway. Uh, right? It, they'll need a <laughs> fourth starter. If if they advance, of course, in the playoffs, they'll have to advance. So, you know, I'm hoping they will, and I'm sure they're trying to plan on that. But uh, Maeda could be that four starter for the rotation.
1: Yeah, I saw they scored some runs last night, too. Yeah. caught up in the vikes, but they look like they might have been more entertaining. Um, so that's good. He's a veteran. So, I mean, it, when it comes to be playoff time, it's kind of nice to have one of those guys in your holster, too, like that. Yeah, so. yeah. I uh, was just thinking this morning i got to get much more on the bandwagon because I do enjoy playoff baseball. That's yeah, probably the number one time of the year that I get into it, and obviously the fans get into it, too, and the crowds, and they're, it's a pretty exciting time. So to have the Twins be in it, I will have to be a self-proclaimed getting on the bandwagon a little more and getting <laughs> up to speed on some things. So.
0: Yeah, it's only a bandwagon if you haven't been with the team previously as a True. fan. You've I been a fan been. your whole life, so you know yeah, I, I have. yeah, I don't know that you're driving the bandwagon necessarily, but you certainly have a reserved no. seat on there after all these right, years. Right, you right. You know, so and it, hasn't it been fun to watch uh, Royce Lewis perform the way yeah. he has?
1: Yeah, I know. I just kinda I was thinking that um actually last night. I don't remember if, or if it was two nights ago when I was watching, but it was just It's just like now he's just one of the guys. Like he's one of the main main men on the team. You know, just like he's settled in. He's gonna be a a stud and he's a mainstay of the lineup. And hopefully he can stay healthy. But yeah, um, it's nice to see that when you pick somebody first that it actually works out for a Minnesota team. So I like that.
0: Yeah, except for the two D injuries that kind of delayed his uh, progress toward the major league roster. But he's gonna bat third and play third base until they move him to short for Correa. If they do that, they might put brooks lee in there or somebody else too at some point but i think correa uh in in my mind should already be playing third base and lewis should be at short because that's where your leader is and it should be royce lewis as the leader of this team even though he's young he has that type of personality that persona plus he has the production on the field which correa does not I mean, what, 29 ground ball uh, ground ball double plays by Carlos Correa, far and away more than any other player uh, in the league. He's hitting in the 220s. He's got an OPS in the low 700s. I mean, he's really done, he's really had a poor offensive season and in my mind, a pretty me- mediocre defensive season. So it's all about intangibles with Carlos Correa, and I think Royce Lewis matches him there.
1: Yeah, I agree with you on that going to be kind of fun to see how he takes over that role and hopefully they allow him to take over that role like you said um because I'm sure Correa doesn't want to ever be seen like he's not the leader either but yeah. sometimes that's a sign of a leader too is understanding that role and that there is some young blood there that you know is 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 good for the organization and it isn't anything that should be threatening to him so right I th- I'm totally on board with that and he's one of ours which I love so yeah
0: yeah, first-round job pick, that's right. And, yep. and uh, Correa was the one who went to Buxton and talked him into being a DH. Now, that didn't work out. Buxton struggled as the DH. He needs to be in the outfield in between the bats, clearly. Uh, but, well, maybe somebody needs to go to Correa after this season and say, you know, <laughs> be all right if you played third base because his, right. his defensive uh, metrics are not what they once were. They just aren't. He doesn't have the same range he once had. Um, he's, yeah. he's booted some routine plays we've seen this year. Uh, and while he has a good arm, it's not the best arm in the American League at shortstop. There's other ones uh, that are better. He, he does have a strong throwing arm and a straight-over-the-top consistent throwing motion. But but his outs above average, according to Baseball Savant, which is on the MLB uh, website, their official site, uh, shows him as uh, the 44th percentile among Major League uh, players in terms of outs above average defensively. So. In actuality, he's a below average defensive player. 50 percentile means you're better than half, you're worse than half. He's in the 44th percentile. So that isn't stellar defense.
1: Right. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Yeah. I think he's one of those guys that makes the plays hit Adam, but he doesn't make spectacular plays when you watch some of those plays on SportsCenter. Yep. It's yep. crazy. Yep. The where, range some of these guys have.
0: Where are you going today, yep. Lefty?
1: Uh, I'm glad you asked. Um, of course, usually pretty much every podcast here for the next month or two, three, whatever it is, is going to be about volleyball. So I am heading to Sioux Falls today, but the first order of business is the Sanford International Golf Tournament, the ah. Champions Tour. So I'm going to hit that up. I cool. want to catch a little John Daly action. Yeah. Uh, my daughter Piper is actually doing an internship for Sanford for the golf tournament, so okay. I, that kind of amps me up for her to be in this environment. I. I didn't send that to you, but I will after I hang up, Todd. I'll send you the pic okay. that she had for maybe like Wednesday night. They did a, I don't know. They had some kind of a little shootout, and him and Stricker were teams. Um, Stricker's probably maybe the favorite for this golf tournament, actually. Sure. But but she's got a picture with the scoreboard, and uh, it's Stricker, Daly, her, and one of her interns. <laughs> cool. Yeah, took a picture together afterwards. It's awesome. I'm like, she doesn't. She kind of knows because everybody's probably talking about him, but she doesn't really know John Daly, you know, yeah. or what his whole story is. So yeah. So I'm excited to see him, and there's lots of, you know, names on there. I was actually going through the pairings list and reading it all, and, you know, just all the names that we kind of grew up watching these guys be the main men, you know, David yep. Duvall, and Bernhard Langer, and just, you know, Strickers, and, well, like, Jim Furyk is playing, so, I mean, he, he could go and place in a tournament next week in the PGA Tour, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. so I mean, it's going to be fun seeing those guys, and uh, obviously seeing Piper in her element a little mm-hmm. bit, but then they got they have number one Concordia St. Paul tomorrow, number one in the nation. So it's gonna be a tall order, but it's exciting to start out that conference season at home and um take it all in. We'll have a tailgate before, so we're excited about all that too. And yeah. I'm just excited. Actually John Daly is opening up um concert tonight out at the uh, I think at the Sanford Pentagon. He's the opening act okay. for I'll for like uh that. yeah. Yeah. So him and his him and his band are opening up. I don't know why I can't Jake Owen. Okay. Jake Owen is the featured guy, so I don't know if we'll end up heading over there. I'll have to see how I feel after walking the course. So, That's but right. I'm looking forward to it. Should be fun, and and I think it's a way it's laid back at these kind of things too. You know, the seniors and they start they don't start until like quarter to eleven, and they're done by about six. And you know, it's so it's going to be fun. But I'm just really interested to see like their distances and how they hit the ball and stuff live. Wow. I think yeah. that is interesting to me at their ages. Yeah,
0: Lefty, thanks so much. Have a great weekend.
1: All right, Todd. You too.
0: Jeff Ash joining us on the Todd and Friends podcast. It's brought to you by Heritage Bank, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.